reached your destination. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Red Hot Chili Prepper. I'm Suzanne Sherman, and joining me today, as always, is my co-producer, is my producer, co-host, and wonderful friend, Jeff Johnson. This is episode 11, and we're going to be discussing the financial considerations of preparedness. I received an email the other day where somebody said, I have a quick question. What are some of the financial uh, benefits to being prepared? Can you start making money? Will you see a quick uh, change in your grocery or perhaps medical bills? And I said, well, you know, that question's a quick one, but the answer's a bit more complex. So I tell you what, I wrote a blog about it yesterday, and we're going to do a show about it today. And uh, you can follow us before we get started on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the red hot chili, C-H-I-L-L-Y, prepper. If you're interested in our political um, discussions, too, we have Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report also on Facebook, PolitiPrep Podcasts and their fan page. Uh, <clears throat> Jeff has set up and you can find both of the podcasts there as well. If you're not following us live on Facebook, by the way, if you are, you can join in ask your questions, make some comments. We'll get you on the show. And But if you're not listening live, you can find us on the Anchor FM platform. We're on seven of their apps, including Spotify and Google Play and Apple. You can like, rate, share our show. You can also support the shows for as little as 99 cents a month. SuzanneCSherman.com has my blogs and published articles. And on the homepage is a donate, donate button. Donut button. That sounds good. Donate button. <laughs> and uh, you can I want donuts. I, who doesn't want, want a donut? <laughs> but, you know, before we get started on the topic of this show today, Jeff and I were talking about some shortages right now. And you can go, again, if you go to SuzanneCSherman.com under blogs, I had written an article a while back when this whole thing started unrolling, unraveling, was, is it too late to prepare? No, it's not too late, but you better get started. Jeff, uh, let's let's share some of your, your um, <laughs> information you have about getting a pressure canner. That was one of the first items I bought when I started preserving my harvest. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. But uh, they're not as easy to come by, I hear. Yeah, I've just uh, while I was in Maine, we I was with some friends of mine, and we were we were doing a little bit of tactical training. And we someone that was up there uh, asked about some different things that he wanted to buy, and I said, "Well, you know, you might be too late to the show at this point for some of this stuff. Uh, specifically, if you go online and look for am, uh, ammunition, ammunition is darn near impossible to find right now." Um, and I'm not sure why that is. I know that the number of first-time gun <clears throat> owners is through the roof. Uh, so perhaps the added demand is uh, running it down. Who knows? But all, all I know is where I used to buy ammunition for a very reasonable price. Now, you're looking at nearly $1,000 for 1,000 rounds, which is a $700 increase. If you can find it. That's if you can find it. Uh, and so we were talking just before the show, and it was really interesting that Jeannie brought up about uh, getting a pressure canner because uh, I've been looking for the All-American uh, for my research. It's it's about the best one out there. It's a little bit more money, but it's it's a really high quality. So I went onto their site to, the other day to purchase it finally, and what did I find? A note on there that they would not be shipping any new pressure canners until December. So uh, my being tardy to this show has is now going to cost me a lot because I won't have a pressure canner until December. 
Uh, and so I started doing searches. I went everywhere. I went to Amazon. I went to every place that advertised uh, selling all Americans, and they are not to be found. So, um, you know, if you're late to the show here for prepping, uh, you are really going to find yourself being behind the, the eight ball because some of this stuff is just not there. And I'm not sure if that has to do with the shutdowns our governors and governments have done to us. Uh, I don't know uh, because here we are. The stuff's just not there. So I'm not sure what uh, is in the uh, in the works as far as doing some of these preps, but it's going to be very difficult to do it. And thank you, Boy. Andrew, for uh, my, recognizing my shirt. Yes, it is on point. I hate everything but coffee and dogs. So there you go. <laughs> you know, you, you bring up an excellent point there. I had a phone call a couple weeks ago, a friend of mine who hunts all around the world and he is a very skilled outdoorsman and asked me, hey, can you teach me how to pressure can meat? And I asked him, what kind of canner did you get? And he said the only one he could get was the Presto. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the Presto, but what I am saying is he was very limited in the choice and the quality selection he wanted to make. I personally have an All-American. It's a stainless steel. It has no gaskets or other parts like that that will need to be replaced. Um an, Amer an all-American 21 core, and again, stainless steel, very, very heavy duty. It is my workhorse, but apparently you can't get those right now, so I'm glad I got mine, but it is the only one I have, and they do say one is none, so if you do have one, get extra parts now while you can, like the little weight. That thing is useless if you lose that that little weight that you put on this on the steaming vent, because I tell you what, one time I lost mine, and I needed a pressure can it. And I remembered what I had done was I had made some elk stock and I took all the remains after I drained the stock and dumped it in the chicken coop. And I said, oh, I wonder if it ended up in that food. Well, fortunately, the, the chickens couldn't eat the weight. So I did find one. And I also had another one. So I have a spare part. That also goes for your firearms or anything else you have that need that might need replacement parts that you can't get later on. So, you know, think about springs for magazine releases, any other things you might need, you know, that could be that need to be repaired and the trigger mechanism, the bolt, whatever. Uh, just things like that that you might not be able to replace. You were talking about ammo, Jeff, and uh, while back during the previous administration, and again, many of us are motivated by political administrations, who's in office and who isn't. And uh, well, listener just mentioned that Obama, during the Obama administration, the there was a huge run on ammo. In fact, I remember seeing uh, 22, a package of 100 going for $125 in a store. So they, I did, I do think the prices went back down, but again, now we're on another run because we have more social and political unrest and now they also coronavirus and we're thinking about, uh, due to the government response to it, we're looking at some serious economic issues, which takes us to the topic of this show, the financial considerations of preparedness. And the question I was asked was, are there some financial reasons to being self-reliant? Are you going to notice a, a smaller grocery uh, bills, for instance, when your medical bills get better? And my response was, well, the question might be quick, but the answer is not. So I wrote a quick blog about that yesterday. Again, you can find it on SuzanneCSherman.com. And I want to expound upon that and elaborate on some of the thoughts that I shared with you that I shared with you there. So you have to ask yourself, what are your long-term goals? You know, do you really want to be completely self-reliant or do you want to be able to have some food accessible and some supplies on hand uh, just, just from your home? And I've given the story, and in fact, if you go to the Red Hot Chili Prepper page on Facebook, 
there's an about me story on there and it explains how I got into preparedness. But you know, if you just want to get started on, you know, starting simple and I call, I call, um, tomatoes and zucchini, the gateway plants to preparedness and self-reliance because they're so easy to grow and harvest, except for you, Jeff, <clears throat> um, that, that you're going to have to come up with ways to store and, and up your prep skills if you want to preserve what you, what you are growing. I explained in my article here that if you want to start by just growing some tomatoes, the investment's going to be very, going to be very small. So again, consider your goals for yourself, for your family. If you want to grow the few vegetables and you have a spot in your yard, this can be as simple as finding some either seeds, which are less expensive, clearly, or you can get some starter plants. And if your garden is ready to go and you can put those in the ground, then it's going to be pretty obvious that your grocery bills insofar as your purchasing of, say, tomato or zucchini are concerned are clearly going to go down, assuming you remember to do things like water them. They require very little care. So if you can keep the animals, your kids, and the pests out of your garden, you'll see you'll see a um, reduction in your bill when it comes to that. So again, I also I, when I started growing tomatoes, I had more than I could eat. That first year, I was literally throwing them for my Labradors, and uh, they would actually spread the seeds throughout the yard. And I guess you can imagine how. So I had I had tomatoes growing everywhere. I started having to freeze, not the, just the tomatoes, but I would make some stock with it, vegetable stock with it, some sauces. But as you can imagine, uh, the crop was so big, I would have to now start finding other ways to pervert, uh, preserve them. So food dehydration is a means to do that. Canning them is a means to do that as well. And again, if you're just freezing, your investment can be something as simple as some freezer bags. I also purchased a vacuum sealer and you have to purchase some special freezer bags once you start upping your game a little bit uh, when it comes to that. So that also brought me to my first set of canning equipment and that was hot water bath equipment, which is reasonable. Jeff, I don't know if you've done any hot water bath canning at all. I haven't, but sitting right there is a brand new one. Uh, as a matter of fact, sitting right there is my stack of can uh, ball jars I bought. I mean, I have everything from half pints all the way up to quarts. Uh, and I have quite a few of them over, sitting over there. So the plan was to can from the garden, which mm -hmm. did not pan out because of the absolute lack of, lack of rain. It's been a absolute drought here all summer long. And it's just, it, so that's gone. The corn looks like crap. Everything looks like crap. And I've tried watering. I just can't keep up with it. It's just been so hot and so dry. Yeah, it was, it was, it's been pretty hot here, but again, my garden, I have a greenhouse and I have two raised beds that I think are four by 22 feet and we have irrigation in there. So I have an automatic, I have it on a timer, but yeah, I, I can understand it can be difficult if you're in an area and want to do a larger garden and uh, it's very dry because we actually qualify as the high desert here. So if I had to rely on the rain, I'd be, I'd be in that uh, same boat as you. So again, you're starting now with the basic equipment. When you start out with your pressure, with your with your hot water bath canning, that's obviously going to be way less expensive. I don't know how easy that is to get. By the way, we're seeing such a, a hard time for getting. Remember earlier, we couldn't even get seeds or buy plants. They were either uh, they were deemed uh, unessential, and they you they were shut off and roped off in the stores. So the hot water bath canners are very reasonable. And you have to get the equipment to go with that as well. 
pretty small investment. Don't forget the canning jars and the rings and the lids. Again, small investments. Don't throw those jars out. You can use them. You know, it's, it gets to the point where you almost consider those a, a commodity. And actually, I do consider it a commodity. So next step up when you're talking about investments is going to be the pressure canners. Again, I think I spent under 200 for mine, but that was some time ago, the All-American. Jeff, what was yours priced at now? You have, you ordered the same one. I looked for the 21 and a half quart. I believe that's what you have. And they are going about 279. The 25 quarts are 299. So I really don't know at this point whether to go with the 21 half quart or jump to that 25 for that extra 20 bucks. I'm not quite sure. It's just taller. So you can stack, instead of being able to stack quarts and then pints in a 21 and a half, I believe, you're going to go quarts. And you might be able to go quarts and quarts. So you can get two layers, I, I, I think. I'm not quite sure. That's a good question for you. Uh, do you know whether you can go quarts and quarts on a 25 or is it still uh, quarts and pints? I have a 21. And for me, I just do, I put seven quarts in that at a time. And then I've, I've stacked the pint jars as well. So just a little quick aside, I've, I've had to change my method of canning uh, now that I'm at a higher altitude. So be mindful of your altitude, be mindful of uh, the size jars that you're canning. Higher altitudes require the 15 pounds as opposed to 10 pounds of pressure as well. And you also need to pay attention to the size of your jars. So a quart's going to be in for 90 minutes and a pint will be in typically for 75 minutes on there. So these are, these are things, you know, now you're starting to get up, up your investments. And this is to me the point where I stop monetizing and saying, gosh, I wonder how much each tomato would have cost me now or each egg when we start getting into chickens. So my advice to somebody just to bring us back full circle for a minute, is don't do this if you think you're going to notice an immediate gain or uh, net gain on what you're spending or reduction on your bills, I should say, uh, other than if you keep it really simple. First thing I had to do when I started my garden in California is I could have probably done this a simpler way, but we had the whole garden area set off by a chain by a chain link fence. I had three Labradors and two little kids. There was no way I was going to keep out of there other than that. So again, that brought up my costs and it would have taken me a long time to recoup that. But you know, you consider that an investment and that's something that's going to benefit you because as we'll get into as the show goes on, there are other reasons to be prepared other than just saving some money, which in and of itself is a noble effort. You know, and speaking of the stuff that you couldn't get now, Jeff, everything that has gotten so much more expensive, I tell people when times are good, you really, really want to get ahead of the game and get what you need before they get really expensive or scarce. So again, refer to my article, it's not too late, but we're getting really close, especially on some of these. Uh, what are your thoughts on indoor gardens? Uh, thank you, Rocco. I think indoor gardens, if you can do it, are great. I do not have the light in my house. One of the trade-offs for having a wraparound porch is you don't get that sunlight in there. So obviously you could have something like grow lights and that's going to cause a significant increase in your operating expenses when it comes to energy. Also, depending on what you're growing, you might not want that reflected on your energy bill. I'm just saying yeah. because they know. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say uh, grow lights might put you on somebody's map and you may not like the response you'll get from those somebodies. <clears throat> 
<laughs> so, um, and again, now, now again, we're upping, we're upping our expenses. There are hydroponics. I might do a show on that. I would love to have some sort of outdoor hydroponics. People even have that, uh, you know, the ponds where they raise, where they raise fish and tie that into there. It's too cold. I can't do that here. But those are, you know, you can go from one extreme to another when we're talking about this. I mean, I, for instance, sold my home and bought a house in Utah where I could be more self-reliant. Now, clearly from a financial standpoint, that benefited me because I sold a California home at California prices and got a Utah home before the prices here went crazy. So I will, I will give myself a little pat on the back for my timing and, and uh, my foresighting on uh, my foresight on this. Getting up now, we're gonna up the ante a little bit more on expenses. That are food, the uh, food dehydrators. I think there's one called Harvest, right? They're high maintenance. They're expensive. But from what I hear, they're fantastic. So what to do if, let's say, you can't have raised beds, but maybe you can grow some, uh, some herbs or e uh, easier plants in, say, containers in your garden. Maybe somebody else can have raised beds. I also have a greenhouse, so maybe that's a happy medium between indoor gardening and outdoor if you can do something like that team up with people there's an article on my or there's a blog on my website again suzannecsherman.com about building a community and sharing your resources on uh you know when it comes to stuff like that so again depending on how out there you want to get you're going to have your investments uh you're going to have some setup fees unless you're just sticking a few seeds into the ground anything you want to share jeff i think that the uh, greenhouse would be a good way to go perhaps for some people I, I've seen a lot of people they they attach it to a back uh, a side of the house usually the south side of a house and that way you it, you also might gain a little bit of benefit from the house and heating up the inside of that greenhouse so there is what there are ways to get around uh, growing inside if you don't have the light I really don't have the light to grow inside as well so you know, that leaves you with growing it outside. And during the winter, that is very difficult unless you have a greenhouse that is warm. Well, Kelly mentioned up above in uh, one of the early comments about planting uh, lots of carrots and also planting green beans in cooler weather. So if she's in Colorado, I'm kind of questioning, should I try and plant some green beans uh, maybe in the fall and see what happens? I'm already having to clear out. I pulled out one whole um, it was a purple cauliflower. It was beautiful. So I'm kind of learning as I go yeah. and saying, okay, yeah. what took up a lot of space and area in there with a small yield? In fact, the thing got so big, I ended up giving it to my chickens, but it's a learning experience right now. The zucchini's coming in. So my personal setup for this garden were the basics to build the, um, the beds themselves, we use boards. I'm seeing some really cool corrugated metal ones, which people are using as well. And some bricks where you can tie them in. We got those at, um, at one of those home stores. And then chicken wire around there to keep the deer and the chickens and other critters out. And then I got, I got some uh, paving stones and put in there as well. I need to get some filler and trim that down too. So Daniel from Arizona is saying, uh, Lehman's is saying two to six weeks on the 21 and a half court, <clears throat> All-American. Yep. So, and, you know. And I on, uh, on All-American, its site is saying they're not shipping any until December. So that's All-American. The company itself is saying they're not shipping any till December. So 
Uh, if Lehman's is getting it, uh, I'll have to look there. If they're saying two to six weeks, I'll order one there and have it shipped out. Two to six weeks, certainly better than December. So what to do now? We want to start doing some preservation and uh, you want to go beyond freezing. So what are you going to do now if you want to do that? Well, I would suggest hot water bath for your uh, vegetable harvest, your fruit harvest, if you want to make some jam. We're going to have some peaches coming in. So spend your time doing that right now if you need to do that. And if you know that you're going to, if you're like me and, and process a significant amount of your big game harvests uh, in a pressure canner, find out if somebody has one you can borrow and say, hey, if you let me borrow this, I will provide you with some of my, you know, yeah. some of the, what I, what I make from this. So, so the come other together day, as a community. Mm -hmm. yeah, so the other day, I don't know if you saw my post. As a matter of fact, I know you did because you commented, you did see it. Well, we processed 154 meat chickens the other on, uh, I think it was Monday morning. So, no, it was, it was Friday. Anyway, doesn't matter what day. We processed 154. So, three families, uh, we mm -hmm. all got together. We all had so many uh, that each, and so we processed them all at one time. Took us four hours to get them all processed. And the one guy had all the setup. He had the scalder. He had the... Uh, feather plucker he had everything he had everything set up so so the freezer right behind me behind the other side of this um sheet that's behind me here is full of chickens right now so i i have part of them here my brother has the other part of them and then we'll just start now that they're frozen we'll send them off to all the freezers in the families this is all for different people in the family so we processed that this year we put in uh, a chicken coop and we have chickens coming for laying eggs so we've added that to what we're doing so it's never too late to try to do it start doing these things and we plan on doing another 40 chickens uh later in the fall that'll come in and we'll process those 40 with probably another people and we'll do another 150 chickens on a day and process them all so everything's changing we all we all are learning new things i never have processed chicken before this year and now I can say I've processed 154 of them. Well, when I got mine, I said I would, but I ended up naming <clears throat> naming mine. <laughs> so, but I, I guess I have the benefit of being able to get other types of meat. But I do use them for eggs. So let's let's change gears. Speaking of chickens, and you know, once you start deciding to raise uh, backyard birds or livestock, obviously your costs are going to go up, especially when you need to set up operations. Now, when I bought this place, it already had a chicken coop. Uh, built here, but I've had to do some uh, repairs and uh, some upgrades to it. And we had a barn in the back too that my son helped me uh, board up <clears throat> and put some hardware wire and make that secure. So now we have two functioning coops that we can use and move them around if we have to do that. So that's not going to be cheap. So let's say now you want to start raising birds. I don't know if I've ever made a profit with the eggs. I just started selling mine this year. And I've got more clients than, than I can handle right now. So that's been something. I mean, they're not really costing me much in the summertime. My, my hens free range. So what you have to think of now, what the uh, cost-benefit analysis when it comes to chickens, uh, are you going to be able to build a coop uh, on your own? What kind of supplies are you going to use? And what kind of uh, birds are you going to get? What kind of materials will you have to secure it as well as well um and we're going to get into that uh, we're going to take a quick break and thank our sponsor over at anchor fm and we'll get back to some more chicken talk
All right, everybody. Uh, everybody, before we left off, we were starting to talk about chickens. We're talking about the net uh, benefit, financial benefit for becoming uh, self-reliant. And we were talking about growing your own vegetables, canning, pressure canning, hot water bath canning as well. And I want to turn to raising backyard birds. Jeff, when you were talking about all the uh, chickens that you had processed, I was thinking of one of the reasons I really like to be self-reliant is I saw a movie called Food, Inc. And I don't know if you've seen it or not, but they showed the absolutely horrific conditions. These people, these farmers join up with these corporate uh, meat producers and what happens is now they get heavily in debt without getting too far off track. But we're talking about financial gains. Remember, they have to borrow something like a million dollars to have the standards that these uh, people they contract with require. So now they are indebted to the bank. They have to go by the standards of these farmers. And what we're seeing, they actually showed how these meat chickens were raised they were saying how many of them were dying off if you don't get to them in time because their organs fail. They grow so fast. And these places are absolutely filthy. Then they showed a couple of guys who were shut down by our good old U.S. Department of Agriculture. Find that, Jeff, if you can find chicken in agriculture in Article 1, Section 8 anywhere, um, we can we can discuss that uh, maybe I'm wrong in, in saying that there's no constitutional authority for the USDA. But I digress. So there were a couple guys out there processing their own chickens out in the open air. In the open air, what do we know about, um, what, do we what do we know about the open air? harder to spread germs. They were saying, the, the USDA was saying, because the uh, these people were outside in the open air, they were not as healthy in their, in their conditions or sanitary as the corporate processing plants. They did a test on the E. coli levels comparing the two. Guess which one had minimal, hardly any E. coli, and guess which one had a significant amount? You got it, the corporate processing plants guess where we guess where we process these chickens i saw the pictures tell the audience we were outside matter of fact uh it started pouring rain we had to put up uh those little pop-up tents over where i was uh dispatching the the fowls and so you know we, we were outside and it yeah. was very clean you know we we were very i mean we actually between each batch so uh when we got done with our batch uh, we disinfected everything. Uh, I mean, as far as inside where it was all being processed, because um, it was a garage. So there was a garage door. It was open. So it was all open air. So it was nice and clean. We kept it clean and sanitary. And they're all put away in the freezer. I want to go back to something you were talking about a moment, though. I wanted to talk about the coops. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you don't have a coop and you don't want to spend the money to buy, uh, build them, uh, look on like Craigslist or Facebook uh, Marketplace. Because that's where we ended up buying one, and we got it very inexpensively. I don't think we could have bought the, um, the the materials to build one for as cheaply as we got this uh, coop. And then we had an old dog uh, run that uh, was broken. The door was broken off it, and we put that. We connected the two, so now it made a bigger run. And now that they're big enough, they're going outside and they're free ranging. And then they come back in at the in the evening. So there's. I mean, you can get into this relatively inexpensive, um, so don't don't look like you have to spend hundreds of dollars on to build one, unless you want a Taj Mahal, unless you're looking for something a lot bigger than what we have. 
but you know, there's they're they're out there to buy. You know, our neighbors. There was uh, a woman who passed away down the road, and there was this beautiful, looked like a big red barn with white trim chicken coop that was for sale. It was on the side. It was there for months. So I would advise somebody if you're thinking about getting into backyard birds, plan it for the year after you start your planning. Do a lot of research. Find out what kind of birds are best for your area where you live, your your environment. Uh, the climate certainly has to have. Um, an impact on the types of birds you you acquire. And you also want to think about, um, again, where you want to place this coop. And if you actually look around your yard and look at the materials, you also might find some some things for sale that you, um, you know, might not have been aware of. So take the time to get it right, plan it, and then do it. Jeannie says recommendations for chickens for your personal flocks. We purchased four ISA hens from 4-H and as pullets, they now lay six a day, big friendly and will make nice meat. They're also bred for eggs. I love the Brahmas. Those are suited for cold weather. They have the feathers uh, down their feet. They don't have a lot of the uh, big combs uh, on the top of their heads or large waddles. So they handle the weather and they're also big personal chill birds. I really like them a lot. I also have some extremely flighty ones. I have a couple of blue Andalusians I got this year so as baby pullets and they just started laying little ping pong ball size eggs the other day. So we're starting to see those. So they're different birds, different personalities. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, so, we started yeah. with, uh-huh. Yep. This, I wanted to get to this one because this is how we do did our meat chicken, the 40 on. We, we had a meat tractor. Uh, it's, it's a big cage thing. You move it around the yard. So every day you move it and you're for, and they're fertilizing the yard. Our, that yard is, ver I mean, where this has been, it's very, you know, they're fertilizing that very well. Yeah. And they also eat a lot of bugs. Yeah. They will clean the ticks out of your yard. So I tell myself, uh, I have very few spiders in the house. They love earwigs, those little pincher bugs. And they will eat a ton of ticks. And with all the deers and the animals that we have here, uh, whenever they poop on my porch, I think, oh, at least I don't have all these bugs in my house. So there's a little trade-off there as well. You know, I also have to consider if you're going to allow them to free range, especially during the months when your ground's not covered with snow. Mine won't go out in the snow. They don't like it. Uh, that will save you a significant amount of food. And also you will notice that the yolks on those eggs are extremely uh, orange in color and absolutely fantastic. And so I want to thank those of you that are joining in right now as well. It's wonderful to see you. So, you know, what we're talking about now so far, the financial benefits to becoming self-reliant. One of the other questions was medical bills. And as we know right now, medical conditions are a significant part of today's current events. And what better way to have uh, a healthy immune system? I was talking to you, Jeff, about an article. <clears throat> I believe it was, a. Uh, I forgot the name of it. I had to close it because they kept playing a video. But this was, they were, they were citing a study from Washington University in St. Louis points to a theory with regards to COVID that patients become ill. This is, this is uh, pioneer trail-breaking stuff here. Patients become ill because their immune systems can't do enough to protect them from the virus. How about that, Jeff? What? Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? I've read so many articles about this whole thing with these masks and the social distancing that we're actually making ourselves less, our immune systems less um, effective. So there's no surprise. 
And um, here's a good friend, Mary Beth. I know Mary Beth, and she loves the Brahmas as well. Uh, yes. Yep. They uh, breed matters, uh, she says, with the chickens. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lovely birds. So talking about the medical bills, again, what better way to have a healthy immune system than to have food that you grew in your own backyard, meat that you harvested, meat that has never been perhaps dropped on the floor of a processing facility, meat where you know has been humanely treated and treated with respect and care. You know what's gone into the ingredients of your food. So that is a way to stay healthy, build a healthy immune system. You're going to avoid the chemicals. You're going to avoid uh, the preservatives that are in these foods. Not only that, you're outdoors. What is a major source to boost uh, of, of a nutrient to boost your immune system? The sunshine, vitamin D3. What are they doing? I was in California a few weeks ago, Jeff. There was a beautiful park near a place we went to go get coffee. Guess what? It's closed. Can't go outside. <clears throat> can't go to the beach in many of these places. Uh, can't go, you know, I guess they allow you to go outside for a little bit, but it's so restricted. You know, the parks are closed. They're closing people in indoors where they're more likely to get sick. And then they complain because there are so many new cases. So this is a problem here. Get outside. You can go and take care of yourself. There's another thing that we were talking about um, with regards to being self-reliant when it comes to your personal care dental care. We're seeing now reports of what they're calling mask mouth with dental and gum diseases as a result of breathing in this uh, bacteria that you should be exhaling and having it go away. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about dental uh, care in an age of scarcity. <clears throat> We've done shows, I did a show before about uh, diatomaceous earth is something that I had used I went to my first survival class. It was in Placerville. You know, my our friend Brian Lee, he's been on the show before. They had this uh, place, Sierra School of Survival, I think it was called. And they had a gal there that was giving away bags of diatomaceous earth. And she said, take the 30-day DE challenge. And she was telling us all the uses of this, one of which was taking care of your teeth. She had a friend who had a cat. And cats apparently have severe dental problems as they get older. And this cat was scheduled to have all of its teeth pulled by the dentist in about a week or so. And she said, give me a week and let's see if we can fix this. So they started brushing this cat's teeth with DE and not a single tooth was pulled. And eventually this cat liked its teeth brushed so much. Cat, mind you, after it ate, it would go over to the place where she would clean the cat's teeth and the, and the problems were solved. So I tried this on my own teeth because I had significant issues with gum recession, sensitivity, and that sort of thing. I found one bag of this DE. You have to get Comdex food grade DE in a feed store. This had a red clay base to it, but I used it one time because it was the only kind I could get. <clears throat> the next day, I had one of my quarterly appointments to get my teeth clean because my teeth were in so much pain. And they said immediately, what did you do different? And I said, I brushed my teeth with dirt yesterday, <clears throat> one application, and it started uh, making my mouth, <coughs> excuse me, it started the healing process. We'll be right back to the discussion right after this about Roxanne, the music provider for the Wasatch Report.
Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. Sorry about that. I was outdoors all last week in the dust. I'm still coughing. So anyway, what happened was um, I decided there has to be a way now to take better care of our teeth than what was being proposed to me, which was going to be surgery. Oral surgeon was going to do skin grafts on my gums. I started using the DE and all of the, um, the pain went away. The gum recession stopped and I now combine. So for those of you that have been asking me for the recipe, diatomaceous earth, which is uh, silica, uh, crystallized uh, silica. And then we have, um, I mix it also with calcium carbonate to help remineralize the teeth as well. Some baking soda and you can use activated charcoal. Yes, I've tried charcoal powder. It is messy and coconut oil pulling. What that is, is you put a gob of coconut oil in your mouth and keep it in there for about 20 minutes. I've tried that. I just, gosh, this doesn't sound very attractive, but I just slobber all over the place and I gave up. But you can use the coconut oil as a base if you want to make a toothpaste. So what you want to do is take that and get it so it's it's melted. Let it just get in the sun or someplace warm. And then you can add to your preference uh, whatever consistency of diatomaceous earth, baking soda, calcium carbonate, charcoal, any combination of those, you can rotate your ingredients and, and use those. And again, I have not used, other than when I'm traveling and I don't want to get the DE in my uh, gray tank in my RV, I haven't used toothpaste, commercial toothpaste in 10 years. And when I do, it is certainly not any fluoride addition. Diatomaceous earth, thank you, Brad, is also helpful for your chickens. It gets rid of parasites. Um, there's some positives and negatives to using it in a coop. I know people that use it in the coop and let them take dust baths in it because it is so abrasive um, and it's an eye and lung irritant. I personally do not put it in the coop. I have taken some DE and dusted it on a chicken who I thought might have had some parasites. I do use it in my garden <clears throat> and um, it is because it is uh, microscopic. It will slice the exoskeletons out of... Um, uh, on on the on the bugs that are eating your plants, like the earwigs and the pill bugs, ants and so forth. So it's absolutely fantastic for that. So that is the way of keeping costs down. If you want to save both on your gardening expenses, dental expenses, medical bills by being self reliant, all of this leads to a healthier lifestyle. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jeff. I think we were talking earlier before we went uh, before we started broadcasting. I was listening to a report about COVID and they were talking about how black and Hispanic kids were getting sicker at a much higher rate, but they were, you know, reluctantly had to drag in some variables here. The variables were higher instances of obesity and chronic lung issues. So what we're seeing again is a typical strapping on of the COVID to other comorbidity issues and simply calling it COVID because we know this keeps people scared particularly when it comes to uh, children getting sick. So what's a good way to keep your children healthy? Get them outside, 
get them eating good, wholesome food, stop giving them garbage, boost their immune system. Don't think you can slap a mask on your face and call it good because you're doing what the government tells you. They are omitting some very, very crucial facts. Healthy diet, exercise, get out in the sunshine, be productive and take care of your teeth now because we're seeing what uh, what happens there. So <clears throat> what we're seeing what's happening uh, because of the masks and uh, gum disease and mouth disease. Remember, and this is one thing I told my kids when they were little, the mouth is the body's gateway for any germs and pathogens to enter it. So if you want to stay healthy, take good care and uh, think of your oral hygiene. Thoughts, Jeff? I really, I'm learning from you because I didn't know any of these things of diatomaceous earth and all these different things. And uh, Mary Beth, the coconut oil pulling, but it, I, I don't know. Suzanne kind of turned me off to that right away. So I don't know. I'll have to think about that one. So, but uh, so well, I'm learning all that. <laughs> you know, uh, so I'm kind of learning on this stuff. I really, ha I really have nothing to offer on this because this is all new information to me, and I'm gonna have to do a little uh, research and learning. Yeah, and the other thing about the uh, activated charcoal, it is very messy. So if you're one of those people that likes to brush your teeth yeah. in the shower and you have white grout in your shower, yeah. use your sink instead. Yeah, as a paramedic, we <laughs> uh, that used to be part of the the bag uh, when you had someone that was uh, had ingested something that was <laughs> not good for them. Uh, there was the um, activated charcoal, and it yeah, it makes it makes such a mess. So I am familiar with that one though. Well, I, that's another reason why I like to have it on hand. It will help you with some medical expenses. I'm not saying if you ingest poison just to take some activated charcoal and call it good, not seek medical care. But we've done shows before on what to do when medical care is simply unavailable. So do keep some activated charcoal on hand. How does that exactly work if you're dealing with somebody on a medical issue, it, a medical it's crisis? Only, it's only good for certain things. Uh, so it, it's not good it's, if someone's... Uh, overdosed on say a narcotic such as um you know whatever it is a, an opioid it's going to do nothing for the opioid you you've really that's narcan that you're going to need and again like you said get medical assistance if there's a you know problem and that is a problem with the prepping is that uh, in the future if something would go wrong and you are on your own uh, you really need to have some you know activated charcoal will be good for certain things uh, mostly it's like acids and stuff like that they it's going to help get you know neutralize some of those things seek medical you attention know, if you have a problem right you know, now before i i'm going to um, wrap up a few more comments with regards to food and having a readily uh, available supply of food too you know i was listening to some news reports this morning and now of course um the latest the latest uh term i'm hearing is food insecurity with a lot of kids not being able to go to school because apparently it's a, it's the responsibility of government to feed the children when they're in school as well and with uh, businesses and families out of work businesses shutting down families losing their income children are having to suffer from food insecurity and this is the debate we're seeing with regards to another stimulus and relief package again imagine if you had this available to you coming together as a community or you might not as have as much food available, but make sure the food that you have is absolutely packed full of nutrients. And this is, <clears throat> again, this is what you have available to you. If you're growing your own vegetables, growing your own fruits, have a garden, you can do that. You might not have as much, but you get a big punch for what you do get. So do consider that as well. Another reason you might want to have more on hand is 
staying home when I have said before, there might be times when it is unsafe to go out. And again, we've talked about this with regards to natural disasters. Let's say there's a hurricane, there's been a tornado, you have flooding or there are power lines down and you don't want to leave the house. How nice would it be if you still want to have fresh food or something that you can and you don't need to go out? People might not want to go out because they're going to be maybe, um, you know, maybe uh, vulnerable to the COVID that's going around, or they're nervous about that, or during flu season. You know, I what they said about COVID, I was already doing during flu season. I would stay home. I wouldn't go out as much, always washing my hands. Never did I put on a mask during flu season. Again, you want to wear a mask, that's up to you. So whatever reason you're using to stay home, uh, there is an article also, social unrest, Attorney General Barr has been saying that the United States is grappling a new form of urban guerrilla warfare. Now he's blaming it on the left. I think it's both sides that are responsible for this, but we certainly do see a lot of the violence uh, being being perpetuated or perpetrated by, by uh, the Antifa and the harsh left. So we have to think about ways to stay safe, stay, stay in our homes. If you're in an area where you have this unrest again, it would be nice to avoid having to go to stores uh, when you need to. And interestingly, uh, Barr says that they're not going to stop until they get their way. And this is something that I also heard just going on a, a little delving with regards to when people think there's some political solutions to this. I asked, I was, I was on interviews with Yes California, their secession movement, because I had said, look, <clears throat> if, if some of these states get a chance to just go out and be on their own, will this be a pressure valve? and calm some of this anger. I do believe that is the case, but the problem is, and this is where Attorney General Barr, and I am no fan of his, where he is right is they won't stop, but neither side's going to stop. But what I asked uh, the, the leader of Yes California, one of their uh, part of uh, exit, the Cal exit program movement is, let's say California becomes their own nation, sovereign and independent as intended by the constitution. And now there's another state whose political practices with uh, exist with which you disagree, will you leave them alone? And the answer was no. So folks, this isn't going away. And this is a problem with giving government so much power over our, our lives. Every social issue becomes a point of contention. So the non-monetary gains of being self-reliant, personal satisfaction, better health, great educational experience for your kids, great way to build your immune system, can you cut back on your medical expenses by being healthier, have a healthier immune system? I wholeheartedly believe you do. What could be a downside of it? Well, you're out there, you're using saws, you're using axes, you're working with animals. You could get injured, the majority of which you can deal with yourself with a little bit of basic training. So we're going to wrap up the show. Jeff, do you have any final thoughts? Yes, yeah, so I just want to say in relation to all this, and this, we're not trying we're not getting political we don't get political on here so it's not we're not making any statements about that but as a um, matter of being prepared uh, you can go back and listen to our previous show on per second or opsec personal security operational security so when you leave your house if you if there's stuff going on around you if there's you know, civil unrest think about your personal security and operational security be aware of what's going on around you uh, if you're going out somewhere, uh, plan that as an operation. You're going out. If you're going to Walmart, and you know that there could be problems there with the with the riding and stuff, uh, plan it out as an operation. Operational security. Try to give yourself exits 
and ways to get out of that area and plan for the worst in that area and for your personal security as well. That's all I have to say on that. You know, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're doing a WASATCH report <clears throat> tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, I believe. And we're going to talk a little bit about more of the personal security issues uh, on there as well, because we're going to tie it into some of the current events uh, that we try and avoid when we do the Red Hot Chili Prepper. But I want to thank everybody for listening. What I really love is you see so many people here that start out and stay till the end of the show. And they're giving us messages that they are. So I really appreciate that. So again, you can check us out, anchor.fm, and hear the podcast there if you want to share with your friends. And um, again, share the podcast. It's really easy to do so. You can also support the show on there. But the best way that we can grow is by you telling your friends, sharing our posts, because the tech giants, the government does not want us to be self-reliant. Jeff, before we went on the show, we were talking about some government housing and I saw, I was reading an article where these people put together a, a garden in a government housing project. And so they could have more food, some more fresh food, the kind of food that you're not going to get when you're on public assistance off most cases. What happened? Those in charge of the project tore the garden out and poured, ble poured bleach in the dirt because gardens were simply not allowed. The state of Florida actually had to come up with legislation prohibiting municipalities from forbidding the residents from growing gardens in their front garden and their front yard. So I want to thank everybody for all the great comments coming in. We try to give you a lot of information. That's why we welcome you to watch this again, share it, and listen to our podcast. On behalf of Jeff Johnson and myself, I'm Suzanne Sherman, a.k.a. the Red Hot Chili Prepper. I want to thank you for listening. Have a great day.